But notice Jesus didn't let his feelings get in the way of ministry. He didn't let his feelings get in the way of having the right attitude. He kept the right attitude no matter what he was facing. Even when in the midst of troubles and trials, Jesus always seemed to have the right attitude. We have a God that reigns over all of our circumstances. No matter what we find ourselves in, our God reigns over all of our circumstances. I don't think y'all believe me. Amen. You sang the song, but hallelujah, he reigns over all of our circumstances. No matter what troubles, trials that come our way, he reigns over all of our circumstances. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. First, giving honor to God and being the head of my life and being the great God that he is, uh, to Bishop Darrell B. Starnes, Sr., to his lovely missionary supervisor, Sister Camille Starnes, and to Reverend Alicia Starnes, to Reverend Taisha Cutperson, and to all of the family and friends of these two great churches. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. If you would turn your attention once again to the book of Mark, the sixth chapter. Mark, the sixth chapter. I want to lift up verse 30, and then we will skip down and read verses 34 through 38. Mark, chapter 6. We'll begin at verse 30. And then we'll skip to verse 34 through 38. And reading from the New Living Translation, it reads, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting dark. He said, send the crowds away so that they can, so that they can go to the nearby farms, villages, and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them with what they asked. We have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. Amen. Word of God for the people of God. I want to share today from the subject of Spiritual gift training. Spiritual gift training. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for another day. We bless you, God. And we thank you, God, that as we are in your presence, that today we get to experience not only your presence, but also your power. And we pray, Father, that you would pour out your spirit upon this place. And I pray, Father, that you would use me for your will and for your glory. And I pray, Father, that you would open our ears and help us to listen. Open our eyes that we want to see Jesus. 
then open our hearts that we might receive them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Blessed Holy Ghost. Amen. Spiritual gift training. Most of us, I believe, if not all of us in here at some point in life, maybe there's a few that's too young to have been able to go into the workforce, but most of us know what it's like that when we start a new job, we have to go through uh, orientation. That's when you come on the job and they begin to show you your responsibilities. They begin to tell you all of the stuff that you're going to have to do. Now, some of us uh, may at that point get a little leery because we may have accepted a job and they didn't give you the full job description, amen, in the ad that they may have set out. And, and as you came in in an interview, they didn't give you the full job description. But when you showed up for orientation, they then gave you the full description of duties that you were supposed to be doing. Amen. I have to admit there was a job I applied for one time and they told me to dress professional. Amen. And I put my suit on and I went down there and I got there and I found out that this was a group interview. Amen. Not what I was quite looking for. But they kind of left some stuff out and as even as we were in the interviewing process, they still left some stuff out, amen, but they told us if you get a phone call this afternoon or a call back this afternoon and you'll be notified whether or not you have been selected. Well, I called back and they said I had been selected. Now, I was excited. They told me to dress professional, but then when it came time to go to the uh, so-called assignment, they said dress casual. So I was a little bit confused as to what I was going to be doing. You told me to dress professional for the interview, and I thought it was going to be a professional-type job setting. But then when I went to the actual job, and they said dress casual, and you know what I found out? They were recruiting Kirby vacuum cleaner salespeople. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Needless to say, that's not quite what I signed up for. They didn't give everything in the job description. They, they said some things, but they left out the important stuff. Amen. Now, I hate to tell you what. You probably know me. I didn't, I didn't stay around too long. Matter of fact, that was my first day, and that was my last day. Amen. But there were times when we go through these training sessions and these jobs uh, that we have gained now, they are training us to do the job that we have signed up for. When we come into the body of Christ, each of us is, again, given gifts to execute in the body of Christ. We've been given these gifts that we might serve in the body of Christ and serve the body of Christ with the gifts that God has blessed us with. But we need to make sure that we are trained in the usage of these gifts. And so when we look at the text before, and I know you're probably looking at me saying, well, how is this text talking about gift training or training in our spiritual gifts. Well, even as I look at the text, I began to see that there are at least five gifts that are mentioned in this particular text. And remember last week I said Jesus is your greatest example. And so we had looked at some gifts that Jesus operated in on last week, and we saw how Jesus functioned in those gifts. But today I want us to see how Jesus was also using an opportunity to train others in the gifts. You see, we need to look to Jesus to gain understanding and insight on how to operate in spiritual gifts. 
We always look to Jesus because, again, he is our greatest example of what it means to do anything. Again, if you want to be a preacher, you look to Jesus because he is the greatest example of a preacher. If you want to look at praying, he's the greatest example of being a prayer warrior. You want to look at standing strong in the midst of troubles and trial? Jesus is the best example of someone who stands strong in the midst of troubles and trials. So even today, as we look at our lesson for today is understanding or uh, spiritual gift training, we'll find out that Jesus, again, is our best example. Well, first of all, we understand that he shows us that we've got to operate according to assignment. We've got to operate according to the assignment. In the text, it, it says that Jesus uh, called his apostles, although you notice the disciples here are called apostles. And, and they were sent out, earlier in the text, they were sent out two by two. You find that in verse 7 through 8, you'll find that they had been sent out two by two. Two, and they had been given also instruction, and they also had been given power. I believe it's also the first gifting that you see that Jesus was showing his disciples or demonstrating to them or training them in because eventually they would all become apostles. And he shows us even here that they are called the apostles. They were the sent ones. They were sent out to establish. They were sent out to developing the growth. Eventually, that's what they all would wind up doing is becoming apostles in the early church. But he began to give them some opportunities here to learn to function in the gifts that they would eventually have to walk in. They were being trained in their gifting. They were being trained in the gift of apostleship. They were being trained to utilize the gift. But they were also being trained in the gift of mercy. If you look at verse 30, you begin to see that they were uh, with verse 34, you'll find that they had been given the opportunity to see that Jesus was operating in the gift of mercy. But he says that he had compassion on the crowd. Now, we're not going to get into a lengthy discussion about what these actual gifts are. We've done that in Bible study. But we see that, again, there's a gift of apostleship in verse 30. There's a gift of mercy in verse 34 and then there's a gift of shepherding also found in verse 34 and then there's a gift of teaching also found in verse 34 and as we see that these gifts are being executed by Jesus being an example unto us and then we see that as he shows us how to operate in these gifts. Imagine that you're on the job and you're being trained in how to utilize and execute the gifts that God has blessed you with. Now, many of us have already started to execute the gifting that God has blessed us with. Many of us have been said that we've had the gift of teaching. And as we can see in our Sunday school, many of us have begun to move into the arena of teaching. We're moving into the arena of executing the gifts. We're moving into the arena where we are allowing the gifts to be stirred up in us. And as those gifts are stirred up in us, we're using them to bless the body of Christ. We're using them to benefit the body of Christ. So as we are executing the gifts and as we are being stirred up in our gift set and as the gifts are being moved through us by the power of God, we've got to operate according to the assignment that we have been given. The disciples in the earlier chapter, part of the chapter, had been sent out 
two by two. They were put on an assignment to go out and to serve the body. They were put on assignment to go out and to heal and to deliver. They were put on an assignment to go out and to be able to function according to the power that had been given them. And as they functioned according to the power that had been given them by Jesus, Jesus was sending them out on an assignment. And the report comes back that we have gone out and we've done exactly what you sent us to do. We were the sent one, the apostles. We've gone out and executed the gifting that you've given us. And as we did so, we were able to heal and we were able to open blinded eyes. And they were so excited about the assignment that they had been given. My question to you is, are you excited about the assignment that you've been given? Are you excited about the gifts that, that you have discovered in your life? Are you excited about the work that God can do through you? Are you excited about the potential to bring growth into the body of Christ? Are you excited about the opportunity to help somebody to be edified and to, for God to be glorified? Are you excited about the gifts that God has given you? Some of us may say, I'm not excited about the gift that God has given me. My question would be, why not? It's a gift that God has given you. Remember earlier we found out, it said the Holy Spirit has given the gifts as he so chooses. I'm so thankful and blessed that God chose to give me anything. The fact that he chose to give me a gift, it doesn't necessarily matter what the gifting is. All I know is that God has chosen to give me that gift. And since he's chosen to give me that gift, I ought to be thankful and grateful. Hallelujah. Well, I don't like the gift that I got. Amen. Be grateful anyway. <laughs> Remember when grandmama named you tell you, you ought to be thankful that you got anything. Now, he, now, I'm so glad that he gave every one of us gifts. And I'm so glad that he, he blessed some of us with multiple gifts. And as we learn to get excited about the gifts, as we learn to enjoy the gift opportunities, like the early disciples, they were excited about the work that God was doing through them. They were excited about the fact that God had blessed them with this opportunity. They were excited because they went out and were able to execute the gifts. Maybe that's why some of us are not quite excited yet. We haven't begun to see the fruits of the gift. We haven't begun to execute the gift and begin to see how God is using the gift in us to better those around us. We haven't begun to see that yet, but I just say keep on using the gift. Keep on executing the gift and watch how God can bless you in the midst of it all. I don't know about you, but I've learned that it's a joy to be able to use the gift, even if the gift causes you to be weary sometimes. Even if it causes you to, to wonder sometimes what's going on. But when you began to see the fruits of your labor, when you began to see that the gift is operating and the gift is working and the gift is beneficial and the gift is blessing, then you begin to see that it's all worth it. And when you begin to see that it's all worth it, when you begin to feel the joy of executing the gift on God's behalf and God will begin to show up in the midst of your gift. But you've got to operate according to the assignment that you've been given. Now, understand this. As I told you before, don't try to do what somebody else does if you don't have that gift. If God hadn't blessed you with a certain gift, don't try to operate in that gift. Operate in the gift that he's blessed you with. And as you operate in the gift he blessed you with, you're on assignment. You're doing the assignment that you've been called to do. If you haven't been called to be a prophet, don't try to operate in that. Be the teacher that he's called you to be. If you don't have the gift of giving, don't try to operate in that. Be the shepherd that he's called you to be. 
Operate in the assignment, operate in the gift that he's called you to. And when you operate in the assignment and the gifting that he's called you to, you'll be doing the work of the Lord. But if you notice, too, as they went out in that two-by-two two status, it, it meant two things to it. It meant that they went out with uh, authority, power, and they went out with faith. They went out with authoritative power, and they went out with faith. When they were sent out two by two, they went out in the power that Jesus had given them. But if you notice to it, and early on it says when they went out, he told them not to take anything with them. They had to operate in faith. When we go and execute our gifts, we're going to have to operate in the power of the gift, and we're going to have to operate in faith. The assignment calls for you to trust the power of God. It calls for you to trust and believe that God has empowered you and empowered the gifts in you. And it trust calls you also to have faith in the work that he's sending you to. That as he sends you to that work, you're going to be able to execute the power of God according to the gifting. And you've got to have faith that God is working through you and that God is going to take care of you in the midst of the assignment. Some of us are concerned about what's going to happen in the midst of being out on assignment for God. Trust God. Believe in God. Have faith in God. Jesus came to a wretched world because he trusted the Father. He came into a world filled with sin because he trusted the Father. When folk were turning their back on him, he kept trusting the Father. When folk began to say all manner of evil against him, he trusted the Father. When they wanted to run him out of town and kill him, he trusted the Father. You've got to continue to have faith in God. You've got to continue to trust the Father because you can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own power, and you can't trust in yourself. You got to trust and have faith in God as you are executing your gift because that's the only way that it's going to be successful. It's when you trust the power of God and have faith in God that God has sent you to this particular assignment. And as you are executing the gift on behalf of God, watch God empower the, the moment and opportunity and the gifting in you. And watch God show up and show himself faithful in the midst of it all. All because you decided, I'm going to trust the Lord with my gifting. I'm going to trust the Lord because he gave me the gift. I'm going to trust the Lord to work things out because I know he's always working. And I know that he'll work them out for his favor and for our good because he's going to edify, he's going to encourage, and he's going to bring glory to his name. So we got to make sure that we understand that we got to operate according to the assignment that we've been given. But not only operate according to the assignment, we've got to operate according to how God has blessed us with the right attitude. Amen. We got to operate according to the right attitude. And as we operate according to the right attitude, we understand that it's all because God has given us this assignment. He's given us this, this power. He's given us this gift. But we got to have the right attitude. Now, this is where some of us are going to be challenged because we don't sometimes always have the right attitude. Amen. I know sometimes we can wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Amen. And we can wake up with the wrong attitude. And we can take that attitude with us the rest of the day. I would suggest that we take the time to pray and get our souls and spirits settled before we go out to meet the day. I suggest that we stay away from anything that would disturb 
us spiritually before we go out and meet today. I would suggest that we get our minds right as we get ready to head out the door because we can go out the door with the wrong attitude. And that attitude can affect the rest of our day. It can affect everybody we meet throughout the day. And for those of us that may be married, I know sometimes you may be challenged in the morning to, to have the right attitude. Sometimes your spouse may wake up with the wrong attitude and it affects you. Amen. When you open your eyes, begin to pray, Lord, give us a blessed day. When you open your eyes, Lord, bless us. Because sometimes, depending on who you're married to, sometimes they can't wait to get started. Hallelujah. As soon as their eyes open, trouble. The first words out of their mouth, trouble. But when we make sure that we've got the right attitude when it comes to operating in our gifts. Notice in the text it says that Jesus and the disciples or the apostles, they had been ministering and that they had gotten on a boat so that they could go to an isolated place. They were looking to go to a place of rest. But the text says that the folk began to run ahead of them. The folk began to follow them. And, and the folk followed them and they wanted more. And the folk followed them to the point that they got to the shore ahead of Jesus and the other disciples. And they wound up having to minister some more. But notice what the text said. It said Jesus had compassion on them. Because he had the right attitude. Now, he could have said, I'm tired. I I'm, I'm done for the day. I'm not doing any more miracles. I'm not doing any more blessings. I'm not doing any more healing. I'm done for the day. But that's not what Jesus does. He, he has the right attitude. And in order sometimes to have the right attitude, we got to operate according to the gift and not our feelings. Because sometimes we operate according to our feelings. And our feelings can often be wrong. Amen. They were tired and they had not eaten. That's a bad combination. Tired and I haven't eaten. That can cause a whole lot of problems. When your body is weary and your belly is empty, all kind of stuff start working on you. And in fact, sometimes that's when the enemy works on you the most, when, you, when you're tired and when you're hungry. And folk will come at the wrong moment because you're tired and you're hungry. But notice Jesus didn't let his feelings get in the way of ministry. He didn't let his feelings get in the way of having the right attitude. He kept the right attitude no matter what he was facing. Even when in the midst of troubles and trials, Jesus always seemed to have the right attitude. I know it's challenging for us. I know it's difficult for us to always have the right attitude. But we got to pray as much as is possible within us that God give me the right attitude. God, let my mind be right. God, let me always understand the moment. God, let me get, begin to share my gifting with the right mentality and the right attitude. I know I may be weary. I, I know I may be tired. But God, let me hold up in this moment that I might glorify your name. Because what usually happens... Somebody catches us in the wrong moment when our attitude is bad and we snap. Amen. There's going to be a new show called When Christians Snap. It's going to show all the moments when we done messed up. 
All the moments when we had an opportunity to minister, but instead we snapped. A moment when we had, when we could have helped somebody win, uh, come to Christ, but we snapped. A moment when we could have helped somebody be blessed along the way, but we snapped. Because we operated in our feelings with the wrong attitude. When we learn to operate it with the right attitude, I'm not saying that it's easy. It will be difficult. But you got to learn to have the right attitude and to minister not in your feelings, but according to the assignment that you've been given. And as we do so, we're able to bless the body of Christ. We're able to meet the challenges that may be ahead of us because we've got the right attitude. And he's operated with the needs in mind. Notice as Jesus began to talk to the disciples, he said, these folk need to eat. He operated with their needs in mind. Now, I tell you the truth, some of us operate with our needs in mind. We want to minister with our needs in mind. Don't we understand that Jesus came and he sacrificed? His life was a sacrifice for us. His coming down here was a sacrifice. His walking amongst us was a sacrifice. And sure enough, his going to the cross at Calvary was a sacrifice. If Jesus was able to make that sacrifice for us, when will we learn to make sacrifices for him? It don't always feel good. It don't always look good. It don't all, it's not always ideal. But Jesus made a sacrifice for me. The least I could do is make a sacrifice for him. And I look at the need and operate according to the need. And as I operate according to the need and not my feelings, my feelings say I'm tired and I'm hungry and I want to go home. But there's a need that needs to be met. There's a need here that if I minister to the need, it could change this person's life. I remember one time talking to my uncle and, and he was sharing with me how there was somebody that asked him to pray for them. And he said he was kind of in a hurry and he, you know, said, okay, I'll pray for you. But he left. And he was intending to pray for that person, but he said he found out later on that that person committed suicide. And he said it bothered him. He said, I, I don't turn down any opportunities now to pray for anybody. He said, because it bothered me so bad. He said, because if I had prayed for him, maybe he wouldn't have done that. If I had ministered to him, maybe he wouldn't have done that. But sometimes we get caught up in what we're feeling. Sometimes we get caught up in our mentality. We get caught up in my needs. And I know we all have needs. And I'm not saying you neglect your needs. But sometimes when you're on a ministry assignment, you got to make the sacrifice and have the right attitude to meet the needs of the person that you're ministering to or the people that you're ministering to. And that's exactly what Jesus chose to do. He kept the right attitude in the moment, and he began to minister to the needs that were in front of him. He saw the needs. Yes, they were hungry. Yes, they were tired. But he saw the needs in front of them, and he ministered according to the need. It's taking the right attitude and knowing that there's a need on the table, knowing that somebody needs to have the touch of God in their life, which causes us to begin to minister in difficult situations, to minister through our weariness, to minister through our hunger, to minister through our trials, to minister even though we may be going through ourselves. We're taking the right attitude because we know that we're on a side 
assignment from the Lord. And as we are getting training in spiritual things, don't believe that it's going to all be easy. There are going to be some challenging moments that come before you, and you're going to have to push through those challenging moments. And it's going to have to have the right attitude in order for you to push through those challenging moments. The minute the enemy sees that we're operating in our gift set, you think he's going to just let you run freely through the world? He's going to begin to challenge you because he wants to stop your gift from operating. But if we keep the right attitude, if we keep the right mentality, it doesn't matter what the enemy is doing to us. It doesn't matter what he sends our way. I'm going forward in the power and faith of Almighty God, and I'm going forward knowing that God will bless me along the way. Even in the weariness, even in the tired times, even in the midnight hour, I'll keep pushing, I'll keep pressing because I know that if I have the right attitude while I'm carrying out the assignment for God, and I'll be t tell you the truth, this is something that all of us make sure that we pay attention to. Your attitude can destroy your ministry greatly. Amen. There, I have run into some ministers that have some bad attitudes. I have been in an environment where it's supposed to be a a confident situation, a homegoing service, but the minister decided he wanted to snap and go off on some folk because they weren't in place. My challenge to me was why are you doing it in front of me? That's something you should handle in private. But when we have the wrong attitude and, and we get caught up in our feelings, we can destroy the ministry because we got the wrong attitude. Having the right attitude matters greatly. Having a good attitude matters greatly. And when we come forward, if you, ain't have, you don't have the right attitude, it's best for you to stay home that day. Amen. <laughs> Your pastor don't show up one day, he had the wrong attitude. <laughs> so we'll make sure that you got the right attitude because it matters greatly. But not only do you have to operate according to the assignment and operate with the right attitude, you got to operate in grace. Make sure that you operate in grace. I've, I found something from the commentator called William Barclay. And he said it's called the rhythm of the Christian life. And what he says is we are often going from the presence of men and women into the presence of God. But we're also coming from the presence of God into the presence of men and women. It's the rhythm of life. But as we go into the presence of God, I understand that it's only by grace that I go into the presence of God. And when I come out of the presence of God to minister to men and women, I know that it's only, again, by the grace of God. Because, in fact, the gifts that we get are called grace gifts. Charisma. The grace gifts. The gifts that have been given by the grace of God. The gifts that have been given to bless the body of Christ. The gifts that have been given to help the body of Christ. We have been given grace gifts. So as we go in and out of the presence of God, we're going in and out of the presence of God, but we're carrying and bringing grace as we go. And as we understand that we are going into the presence of God and as we operate in grace. When Jesus 
sees the needs of this crowd. He begins to have compassion on them, it says. And, and then it began, he begins to ask, what does the crowd really need? And he begins to, again, train the disciples. He tells them what's going on here with the crowd. And they said they need food. The, the, the apostle said, we don't have enough money to buy enough food for all of these people. Because Jesus asked to feed them. They said, we would need eight months worth of salary to be able to feed these people. 200 denarii we would have to have in order to feed all of these people. Eight months worth of salary. Could you imagine spending eight months worth of your salary? That's how massive this crowd was. But Jesus said, what do we have? He's then kicking in to the gift of faith. When he starts to train the disciples, he's training them now in something that they're going to need desperately, and that is faith. He starts off by sharing with them, there's a need at hand. So what are we going to do about it? So he sends them out to discover what they have. And as they go out to discover what they have, what they find is they only have two fish and five loaves of bread. That's not enough to feed this massive crowd. So what are we going to do? And Jesus began to show them, you got to now operate in faith. Take the crowd and tell them to sit down. Set them in groups of 50, groups of 100. Tell them to sit down. And I can imagine the disciples are wondering in their head, what is this going to do? We still got two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus begins to show them what it means to operate in faith. And as he begins to show them what it means to operate in faith, he begins to show them there are times when you're going to have to trust God because it's outside of your control. You've got to trust God because it's beyond your means. And there's those who have the gift of faith. They're able to trust God. They're able to have a faith in God that is like no other. They're able to believe God for miraculous things. They're able to believe God in the midst of others doubting. They're able to believe and trust the Lord in some dire circumstances and some impossible-looking circumstances. They're able to trust and believe God. And folk will look at them sometimes and say, why are you trusting? Why are you believing? Because I believe God can. And I have that type of faith. And if we remember many of the times that Reverend Cuppison would, would demonstrate that gift of faith. And again, I am so amazed at how she would operate in that gift of faith. And, and there were times when it looked impossible to me, but it didn't have to look possible to me as long as she trusted God. And when you think about the times that in your life, maybe when others were saying, all you have to do is trust the Lord. But you started trying to work it out. You start trying to figure it out. You start trying to make a way out of it. You start trying to make it happen instead of just simply trusting the Lord. Guilty. I've had times in my life when I've gone through and tried to figure it out. I've gone through and tried to make it happen. And after I got through trying to make it happen, I found out that God had already worked it out. I was this close to messing it up. Because God had already worked it out. I just simply needed to have faith. 
He's training the disciples to have faith. He told them to sit down, and then he began to take the bread and the fish, and he began to bless it. And this is where the beauty of it comes in. He prayed, and then he started working. Hallelujah. Faith without works is dead. He didn't just sit back and say, I hope so. But he put his faith in action. He put actions behind what he believed. I believe that God is going to make a way. I believe that God is going to bless. And so he began to operate by handing out the food. And it says that they began to distribute the food and, and people get, began to eat until they were filled. Hallelujah. That's where the blessing comes in. Folk ate until they were full, but it got real good because it said they had some left over. When you trust the Lord, when you believe God, and when you operate by the grace of Almighty God, you know that it's not by anybody else or not by any other power except the power of Almighty God because you're operating in the grace of Almighty God. And because I'm operating in the grace of God, it's going to take some faith on my behalf. But I've got to know that it's the grace of God and it's by grace alone. That's why I'm so glad that our salvation only depended upon the grace of Almighty God. It doesn't depend upon anything I can do or anything I would do, but only by the grace of Almighty God. And I know that the grace has been given by God, and the grace has been given by God to bless the body of Christ. And as we understand this grace thing, and, and as we understand that we are operating in grace, and we're operating by grace, and we're receiving grace along the way. We're going into the presence of God and we're coming out of the presence of God. We're going into the presence of God to get more grace. We're coming out of the presence of God to extend more grace. All because we serve a good God. And when we understand that we're being trained in our spiritual gifts, we're developing our spiritual gifts. And the more that we are developed in our spiritual gifts, the more that we're trained in our spiritual gifts, the more that we operate in them, the better off the world will be. The community of Christ will be better when we operate in our spiritual gifts, when we're trained properly in our spiritual gifts. And again, the best way is to follow the example of Jesus. Watch how Jesus led the disciples through the training process. Watch how he showed them how to operate in their gifts. Watch how he encouraged them along the way, showing them that it's not the time to give up, but it's the time to keep going. Remember when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus tried to teach them a lesson on prayer. And he kept waking them up and, and asking them to watch and pray with him. And they would fall asleep, but he kept waking them up and asking them to watch and to pray with him. Jesus didn't go off on them, but he used compassion with them. He used grace with them. He could have snapped on them. Amen. First episode of Snaps, Jesus goes off on the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane because they can't stay awake one hour and pray with him. No. He had the right attitude. And he kept going before the Father. He was weary himself, but he kept going before the Father. He was troubled himself, but he kept going before the Father. And he walked away with the right attitude. He walked away with the need in mind rather than his feelings in mind. And all because he was able to operate according to the assignment that God had given him. God had given him an assignment to come in and save the world. 
to save those who would come unto him. And he came and he fulfilled that assignment to come and save the world. He came to the right attitude to save the world. And all because he had the right attitude. He wasn't on the cross talking about, Father, why you got me up here dying for these wretched people? But he was on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had the right attitude. If we were hanging on the cross, we would have some other words to say. If we were hanging on the cross, we would have the wrong words to say. But I'm so glad that the right one was dying on the cross that day. I'm so glad that Jesus was dying on the cross that day because he had the right attitude. And because he had the right attitude, he had the right words to say. Father, Father, forgive them. Our forgiveness was at the cross. Our healing was at the cross. Our salvation was at the cross. And all because Jesus had the right attitude. And eventually he gave up the ghost. And then, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I completed the assignment. And I know that it's all done. All because I walked in the grace of Almighty God while I was here. He operated in grace while he was here. He could have went off on some folk, but he chose to have grace instead. He could have done things a different way but he chose to walk in grace instead and when he got through borrowing that tomb on a Saturday night he got up early Sunday morning all because of the grace of Almighty God all because of the power of Almighty God so we've got to learn to walk in grace we've got to learn to walk in the gift that God has given us and as he blesses us through the power uh, execute the gift as he blesses us with the power to, to have the right attitude when it comes to our gift service when we have that right attitude and we walk in the grace of almighty God and he shows us the right way we'll walk in a submissive way we'll walk in an obedient way executing our gift along the way and as we do so we'll bless the body of Christ we'll bless the world because we're gifted and serving it's time to put our gifts in operation but let us look to the training that Jesus gives us that we've got to make sure that we're operating according to the assignment that God has given us. And that we're operating with the right attitude. And that we're operating in the grace of Almighty God. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We pray that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, drop us an email at wesleyonmain at yahoo.com. That's wesleyonmain at yahoo.com to let us know how this message has touched your life. Until next time, God bless.